Hi guys, welcome to the Know It All podcast. Um, in this first little series I'm going to be doing, uh, we will be talking about the AP World History um, textbook and going over some of the key concepts and I will be um, reading some of the textbook and trying to explain uh, as best as I can. So we're just going to jump right in and we are going to start with chapter one of the Stern 7E World Civilizations uh, textbook. So um, specifically chapters one through five of this textbook um, are a good overview of uh, early civilizations. Um, we really start getting into uh, more in depth um, following chapter five. But um, it's really important to know the basics, especially for your AP World um, exam. So this is also a good series if you want to review um, some of the key points. So today we will be reading chapter one of the textbook and going over some of the uh, key concepts. Okay. From early prehistory to the early civilizations. One day, about 10,000 years ago, in a rock shelter near the Pecos River, an early human inhabitant of what is today West Texas inserted the bloom stalk of a yucca plant into one of the several holes worn into a fire-starting stick and, holding the stalk upright, twirled it between her hands. After much effort on the part of the young woman, the friction between the spinning stalk and the stick produced wisps of smoke, then sparks, then glowing embers. The woman used the embers to set fire to a small pile of dried yucca leaves that she had gathered nearby. Yucca leaves have thin tendrils that, when dry, catch fire readily. Carefully tended, the leaves could be used to kindle a steady fire that provided not only warmth, but the means for cooking a meal. And importantly, stalks, fire sticks, and leaves could easily be carried by migratory groups of early humans. Several yucca-based fire starter kits, some including bows used in the place of hands to turn the yucca stalk, have been found across the American Southwest. These Neolithic kits send us a number of messages about early world history. Most obviously, early men and women were tool users. They not only deliberately selected branches, stones, and other natural objects from the environment, they crafted them into weapons, utensils, and tools that could be used to ward off animal and human enemies, hunt, trap, fish, prepare food, and construct shelters. This capacity to fashion tools distinguishes human beings from all other animals. Although a number of other animals, including apes, are tool users, only human beings construct their tools. By this time, humans had known how to make and use a fire for thousands of years, another discovery unique to humans. The use of fire for cooking allowed early humans to eat a wider variety of foods, particularly animal protein. The toolmakers of the American Southwest lived far from Eastern Africa, where human beings first evolved. Just decades ago, it was believed that the first humans migrated from Northeast Asia into what is now Alaska, only 12,000 years ago. Vastly improved archaeological techniques have recently revealed that the crossing had been made at as early as 25,000 BCE, and that the migrants spread out quickly, probably traveling both overland and by boat along the Pacific coast from Alaska to Chile. 
Finally, we know our early ancestors could talk. Human beings had developed what some call the speech gene about 70,000 years earlier, vastly improving the species' capacity to communicate beyond the sounds and gestures common to a number of animal groups. Neolithic humans were what we call were what we sometimes call primitive, but they had already experienced a number of fundamental changes and, in some places, they were poised to introduce some more. The creation of fire starters and other tools, including weapons, proved critical to the survival of early humans and to the development of ever-larger communities and eventually whole societies. In the chapter that follows, we will trace the successive stages of the early material and social development of the human species. We will explore the technological and organizational innovations that made it possible for what became the great majority of humans to move from tiny bands of wandering hunters and gatherers to sedentary village dwellers and then the builders of walled cities with populations in the thousands. More than any other factor, these transformations were made possible by the development of agriculture that increased and made it more secure the supply of food by which more and more humans could be sustained. The domestication of animals and the shift to agriculture was accompanied by major changes in the roles and relationships between men and women and patterns and patterns of child rearing. They also led to increasing social stratification, new forms of political organization, increasingly elaborate means of artistic expression, and more lethal ways of waging war. During these millennia of transition, Farming communities occupied only small pockets of the Earth's land area and only rarely ventured out on the sea or large rivers. Pastoral peoples who depended on herds of domesticated animals for their livelihood occupied a far greater share of the space where there was a human presence. An uneasy balance between the peoples who followed these two main adaptions to the diverse ecosystems in which humans proved able to survive was a dominant feature of the history of the species and the planet until five or six centuries. The human species has accomplished a great deal in a relatively short period of time. There are significant disagreements over how long an essentially human species, as distinct from other primates, has existed. However, a figure of about 2.5 million years seems acceptable. This is approximately one four thousandths of the time the Earth has existed. If one thinks of the whole history of the Earth to date as a 24-hour day, the human species began at about 5 minutes until midnight. Human beings have existed for less than 5% of the time mammals of any sort have lived. Yet, in this brief span of time, by Earth history standards, humankind has spread to every landmass, with the exception of the polar regions, and, for better or worse, has taken control of the destinies of countless other species. To be sure, human beings have some drawbacks as a species compared to other existing models. They are unusually aggressive against their own kind. While some of the great apes, notably chimpanzees, engage in periodic wars, these conflicts can hardly rival human violence. Human babies um, are dependent for a long period, which requires some special family or child care arrangements and often has limited the activities of many adult women. Certain ailments, such as back problems resulting from an upright stature, also burden the species, and the distinctive human awareness of the inevitability of death imparts some unique fears and tensions. 
Distinctive features of the human species account for considerable achievements as well. Like other primates, but unlike most other mammals, human beings can manipulate objects fairly readily because of the grip provided by an opposable thumb on each hand. Compared to other primates, humans, human beings have a relatively high and regular sexual drive, which aids reproduction. Being omnivores, they are not dependent exclusively on plants or on animals for food, which helps explain why they can live in so many different climates and settings. The unusual variety of their facial expressions aids communication and enhances social life. The distinctive human brain and a facility for elaborate speech are even more important. Much of human history depends on the knowledge, inventions, and social contracts that resulted from these assets. Although the rise of humankind has been impressively rapid, its early stages can also be viewed as painfully long and slow. Most of the two million plus years during which our species has existed are described by the term Paleolithic or Old Stone Age. Throughout this long time span, which runs until about 14,000 years ago, human beings learned only simple tool use, mainly through employing suitably shaped rocks and sticks for hunting and warfare. Fire was tamed about 750,000 years ago. The nature of the species also gradually changed during the Paleolithic, with emphasis on more erect stature and growing brain capacity. Archaeological evidence also indicates some increases in average size. A less ape-like species, whose larger brain and erect stature and erect stance allow better tool use, emerged between 500,000 and 750,000 years ago. It is called, appropriately enough, Homo erectus. Several species of Homo erectus developed and spread in Africa, then to Asia and Europe, reaching a population size of perhaps 1.5 million 100,000 years ago. Considerable evidence suggests that more advanced types of humans killed off or displaced many competitors over time. Intermarriage also occurred. And even Homo sapiens sapiens coexisted with other human species in several regions for considerable periods, as recent archaeological and genetic evidence suggests. Ultimately, however, the single species predominated throughout the world rather than a number of rather similar human species, as among monkeys and apes. The newest human breed, Homo sapiens sapiens, of which all humans in the world today are descendants, originated about 120,000 years ago, also in Africa. The success of this subspecies means that there have been no major changes in the basic human physique or brain size since its advent. Part of human evolution in this decisive later phase involved a probably modest genetic modification in the brain that allowed much more elaborate patterns of speech. A number of animals and birds have some power of speech in terms of varied sounds that communicate, but with the advent of this language gene, people, ha- people became capable of a much wider variety of sounds. From this, it was possible to invent languages. Scientists have wondered what the first people who had this gene must have thought, surrounded by other people who were still confined to a series of grunts plus elaborate facial expressions. Human Development and Change Even after the appearance of Homo sapiens sapiens, human life faced important constraints. People who hunted food and gathered nuts and berries could not support large numbers or elaborate societies. Most hunting groups were small, and they had to roam widely for food. 
Two people required at least one square mile for survival. Population growth was slow, particularly because women breastfed infants for several years to limit their own fertility. On the other hand, people did not have to work very hard. People did not have to work very hard. Hunting took about seven hours every three days on average. Women who gathered fruits and vegetables worked harder, but there was significant equality between the sexes based on common economic contributions. Paleolithic people gradually improved their tool use, beginning with the crude shaping of stone and wooden implements. The development of speech allowed more group co cooperation and the transmission of technical knowledge. By the later Paleolithic period, people had developed rituals to lessen the fear of death and created cave paintings to express a sense of nature's beauty and power. Goddesses often played a prominent role in the religious pantheon. Thus, the human species came to develop systems of belief that helped explain the environment and set up rules for various kinds of social behavior. The development of speech provided rich language and symbols for the transmission of culture and its growing sophistication. At the same time, different groups of humans in different locations developed quite varied belief systems and languages. The greatest achievement of Paleolithic people was the sheer spread of the human species over much of the Earth's surface. The species originated in eastern Africa. Most of the earliest types of human remains come from this region, in the present-day countries of Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda. But gradual migration, doubtless caused by the need to find scarce food, steadily pushed the human reach to other areas. Key discoveries, notably fire and the use of animal skins for clothing, clothing both of which enabled people to live in colder climates, facilitated the spread of Paleolithic groups. The first people moved out of Africa about 750,000 years ago. Human remains have been found in China and Southeast Asia, dating from 600,000 and 350,000 years ago, respectively. Humans in inhabited Britain 250,000 years ago. Later migrations of Homo sapiens sapiens from Africa took people to Eurasia. Two strands developed once migrants had crossed into West Asia. One took people to Europe, Central Asia, and South Asia and the other pushed onto East and Southeast Asia. From this in turn, further migrations occurred. People first crossed to Australia 60,000 years ago, followed by another group 20,000 years ago, combining to form the continent's Aboriginal population. Humans crossed what was then a land bridge from Siberia to Alaska about 25,000 years ago and quickly began to spread out, reaching the tip of the South American continent possibly within a mere thousand years. Settlers from China reached Taiwan, Taiwan, the Philippines, and Indonesia 4,500 to 3,500 years ago. In addition to this, soon after this time, roughly 14,000 years ago, the, la the last Great Ice Age ended, which did wonders for living conditions over much of the Northern Hemisphere. Human development began to accelerate. A new term, Mesolithic or Middle Stone Age, designates a span of several thousand years from about 12,000 to 8,000 BC, in which human ability to fashion stone tools and other implements improved greatly. From the Mesolithic also, from the Mesolithic also date the increased numbers of log graphs and dugouts, which improved fishing and the manufacture of pots and baskets for food storage. Mesolithic people domesticated additional animals, such as cows. Dogs had been tamed earlier. 
which again improved food supply. Population growth accelerated, which also resulted in more conflicts and wars. Skeletons from this period show frequent bone breaks and skull fractures caused by weapons. In time, better tool use, somewhat more elaborate social organization, and still more population pressure led people in many parts of the world to the final Stone Age, the Neolithic or New Stone Age. And from Neolithic people, in turn, came several more dramatic developments that changed the nature of human existence, the invention of agriculture, the creation of cities, and other foreshadowings of civilization, which ended the Stone Age altogether throughout much of the world. The Neolithic Revolution Human achievements during the various ages of stone are both fascinating and fundamental. What people accomplished during this long period of prehistory remains essential to human life today. Our ability to make and manipulate tools depends directly on what our Stone Age ancestors invented. Arrows actually had been invented, probably in southern Africa, 65,000 years ago, and knowledge of this advance for hunting and warfare gradually spread although it had not reached below northern South America when Columbus made his voyage in 1492. In the Mesolithic period itself, people further refined their ability to shape stone, while also using wood and animal bones to make needles and other precise tools. However, it was the invention of agriculture that most clearly moved the human species toward more elaborate social and cultural patterns that people today would recognize. With agriculture, human beings were able to settle in one place and focus on particular economic, political, and religious goals and activities. Agriculture also spawned a great increase in the sheer number of people in the world, a tenfold increase over several millennia. The initial development of agriculture, that is, the deliberate planting of grains for later harvest, was probably triggered by two results of the Ice Age's end. First, population increases stemming from the improved climate prompted people to search for new and more reliable sources of food. Second, the end of the Ice Age saw the retreat of certain big game animals, such as Macedons. Human hunters had to turn to smaller game, such as deer and wild boar, in many forested areas. Hunting's overall yield declined. Here was the basis for new interest in other sources of food. There is evidence that by 9000 BCE, in certain parts of the world, people were becoming increasingly dependent on regular harvests of wild grains, berries, and nuts. This undoubtedly set the stage for the deliberate planting of seeds, probably accidental to begin with, and the improvement of key grains throughout the selection of seeds from the best plants. As farming evolved, new animals were also domesticated, particularly in the Middle East and parts of Asia. By 9000 BCE, pigs, sheep, goats, and cattle were being raised. Farmers used these animals for meat and skins and soon discovered daring as well. These results not only con- contributed to the development of agriculture, but they also served as the basis for nomadic herding societies. Farming was initially developed in the Middle East and Black Sea regions, in an arc of territory running from present-day Turkey to Iraq and Israel. This was a very fertile area, more fertile in those days than at present. Grains such as barley and wild wheat were abundant. At the same time, this area was not heavily forested, and animals were in short supply, presenting a challenge to hunters. In the Middle East, the development of agriculture may have begun as early as 10,000 BCE, and it gained ground rapidly after 8,000 BCE.
Gradually, during the Neolithic centuries, knowledge of agriculture spread to other centers, including parts of India, North Africa, and Europe. Agriculture, including rice cultivation, soon developed independently in China, the second of at least three separate inventions of the new economic systems. We will see that agriculture spread later to much of Africa south of the Mediterranean coast, reaching West Africa by 2000 BCE. Although here, too, were additional developments with an emphasis on local grains and also root crops such as yams, agriculture had to be invented separately in the Americas, based on the cultivation of corn and other root crops such as potatoes, where it was also a slightly later development, about 5000 BCE. Many scholars have termed the development of agriculture a Neolithic revolution. The term is obviously misleading in one sense. Agriculture was no sudden transformation, even in the Middle East, where the new system had its roots. Learning the new agricultural methods was difficult, and many peoples long combined a bit of agriculture with considerable reliance on the older systems of hunting and gathering. A revolution that took more than a thousand years, and then several thousands more to spread to key population centers in Asia, Europe, and Africa, is hardly dramatic by modern standards. The concept of revolution is, however, appropriate in demonstrating the magnitude of change involved. Early agriculture could support far more people per square mile than hunting ever could. It has also allowed people to settle more permanently in one area. The system was nonetheless not easy. Agriculture required more regular work, at least of men, than hunting did. Hunting and gathering groups today, such as the Kung or Khoisan people of the Kalahari Desert in southwest Africa, work an average of 2.5 hours a day, alternating long, intense hunts with periods devoted to such pursuits as music, dance, and decorative art. Settled agriculture concentrated populations and encouraged the spread of disease. As much as agriculture was demanding, it was also rewarding. Agriculture supported larger populations, and with better food supplies and a more settled existence, agricultural peoples could afford to build houses and villages. Animals provided not only hides, but also wool for more varied clothing. We know next to nothing of the debates that must have raged when people were first confronted with agriculture, but it is not hard to imagine that many would have found the new life too complicated, too difficult, or too unexciting. Most evidence suggests that many gathering and hunting peoples resisted agriculture as long as they could. Gradually, of course, agriculture did gain ground. Its success was hard to deny, and as farmers cleared new land from forests, they automatically drove out or converted many hunters. Disease played a role as well. Settled agricultural societies suffered from more contagious diseases because of denser population concentrations. Hunting and gathering peoples lacked resistance and often died when agriculturists who had developed immunities carried the diseases into new areas. Not all the peoples of the world came to embrace the slowly spreading wave of agriculture, at least not until very recently.
Important small societies in southern Africa, Australia, the islands of Southeast Asia, and even northern Japan were isolated for so long that news of this economic system simply did not reach them. The white-skinned hunting tribes of northern Japan disappeared only about a hundred years ago. Northern Europeans and Southern Africans converted to agriculture earlier, about 2,000 years ago, but well after the Neolithic Revolution had transformed other parts of their continents. Agriculture was initiated in the Americas as early as 5,000 BCE and developed vigorously in Central America and the northern part of South America. However, most Indian tribes in North America continued a hunting and gathering existence, although it was often combined with seasonal agriculture until recent centuries. Finally, the peoples of the vast plains of Central Asia long resisted a complete conversion to agriculture, in part because of a harsh climate, herding rather than grain growing became the basic socioeconomic system of this part of the world. From this area came waves of tough nomadic invaders and migrants, whose roles in linking major civilizations was a vital force in world history until a few centuries ago. Agriculture and Change Agriculture encouraged the formation of larger as well as more stable human communities than had existed before Neolithic times. A few Mesolithic groups had formed villages, particularly where opportunities for fishing were good, as around some of the lakes in Switzerland. However, most hunting peoples moved in relatively small groups or tribes, each containing anywhere from 40 to 60 individuals, and they could not settle in a single spot without the game running out. With agriculture, these constraints changed from most of the people involved. There were advantages to staying put. Houses could be built to last, wells built up to bring water, and other expensive improvements afforded because they served many generations. In the Middle East, China, and parts of Africa and India, a key incentive to stability was the need for irrigation devices to channel river water to the fields. This same need helps explain why agriculture usually generated communities and not a series of isolated farms. Small groups simply could not regulate a river's flow or build and maintain irrigation ditches and sluices. Irrigation and defense encouraged villages, groupings of several hundred people as a characteristic pattern of residence in almost all agricultural societies from Neolithic days until our own century. One Neolithic town, Kitalhuyuk, in southern Turkey, has been elaborately studied by archaeologists. It was founded about 7,000 BCE and was unusually large, covering about 32 acres. Houses were made of mud bricks set in timber frameworks, crowded together with a few windows. People seemed to have spent a good bit of time on the rooftops in order to experience daylight and make social contacts. Many broken bones attest to frequent falls. Some houses were lavishly decorated, mainly with hunting scenes. Religious images, both of powerful male hunters and mother goddesses, devoted to agricultural fertility were common, and some people were, people seemed to have had religious religious responsibilities. The town produced almost all the goods it consumed. Some trade was conducted with hunting peoples who lived in the hills surrounding the village. 
but apparently it was initiated more to keep the peace than to produce economic gain. By 5500 BCE, important production activities developed in the village, including those of skilled toolmakers and jewelers. With time also came links with other communities. Towns such as Katalhuyuk ruled over smaller communities. This meant that some families began to specialize in politics, and military forces were organized. Some towns became small cities, ruled by kings who were typically given divine status. Here were developments that led to bigger changes in the organization of some agricultural societies. The discovery of metal tools dates back to about 4000 BCE. Copper was the first metal with which people learned how to work, although the more resilient metal, bronze, soon entered the picture. In fact, the next basic age of human existence was the Bronze Age. By about 3000 BCE, metalworking had become so commonplace in the Middle East that the use of stone tools dissipated and the long stone ages were over at last, although of course, an essentially Neolithic technology persisted in many parts of the world, even among some agricultural peoples. Metalworking was extremely useful to agricultural or herding societies. Metal hoes and other tools allowed farmers to work the ground more efficiently. Metal weapons were obviously superior to those made from stone and wood. Agricultural peoples now supported the small number of individuals such as toolmakers, who specialized in this activity and exchanged their products with farmers for food. Specialization of this sort did not, however, guarantee rapid rates of invention. Indeed, many specialized artisans seemed very conservative, eager to preserve methods that had been inherited. But specialization did improve the conditions or climate for discovery, and the invention of metal working was a key result. Like agriculture, knowledge of metals gradually fanned out to other parts of Asia and to Africa and Europe. Gradually, the knowledge of metal tools created further change, not only for farmers, but also for manufacturing artisans who benefited from better tools. Woodworking, for example, became steadily more elaborate as metal replaced stone, bone, and fire in the cutting and connecting of wood. We are, of course, still living in the Middle Ages today, although we rely primarily on iron, whose working was introduced around 1500 BCE by herding peoples who moved into the Middle East from Central Asia, rather than copper and bronze. By about 4000 BCE, other changes began to accumulate in several agricultural centers, particularly in the Middle East, beyond metalworking and the expansion of towns. These changes depended on the extent to which agricultural production could free up a few people to specialize in craft manufacturing, initially on products used in the agricultural process such as the manufacture of pots. Gradually, certain other inventions cropped up that could benefit agricultural production, while also spilling over into other human activities, such as warfare. Around 4000 BCE, for example, the wheel was introduced, probably by peoples who migrated into the Middle East. Here was a vital contribution to the movement of goods, and soon to certain kinds of fighting. Nomadic Societies because it spread slowly and incompletely, agriculture was not the only economic system available to human societies, although it ultimately became the most important one. 
In addition to the persistence of hunting and gathering groups in some regions, nomadic herding economies created another option. Nomadic societies were more suitable to certain regions than agriculture was, and they would make their own important contribution to world history more generally. We do not know when nomadic societies first developed, for they have left few written records and no real architectural monuments. They may have begun before the first civilizations emerged. Pneumatic societies ultimately developed, particularly in the region of the huge grassy plains of Central Asia, on the fringes of the Sahara Desert in Africa, and also in Southern Arabia. Smaller nomadic societies also developed in the Americas, in the Andes Mountains, the only place where there were relevant domesticated animals. Nomadic regions generally are characterized by rainfalls, sufficient for developing, developing grasslands, but less adequate for settled agriculture. The first groups of nomads to break into the historical record were the Indo-Europeans, who periodically intervened in the civilizations of the Middle East and India for a thousand years, beginning about 1500 BCE. Some Indo-European groups invaded civilized areas and established their own empires, such as the Hittites, who fit into the series of empire invaders in Mesopotamia. Others, such as the Greeks, migrated into new territory and settled down, ultimately trying to fight off later groups of Indo-European invaders with whom they finally intermingled. Indo-European Aryan incursions into India increasingly threatened the later phases of the Harappan civilization. Early Indo-Europeans used war chariots drawn by horses, but gradually they developed the equipment needed to ride horses directly. Another early nomadic group that played an important role in larger world history, also from Central Asia, was the Xi'an Nu, known in Europe as the Huns. The Hun invasions in China caused great devastation from the 4th century BCE on. Like the Indo-Europeans before them, before them, Hun movements were probably initially due to droughts and internal warfare in Central Asia, but then, achieving success, they took on a life of their own. Even before Han invasions, Chinese rulers became very conscious of the nomadic people to their west and sent out expeditions to meet and consulate. They valued the nomads as a source of horses, which were not native to China, and also wanted to keep them happy. These were the reasons for offering gifts such as silk in a pattern that ultimately gave rise to a larger interregional silk trading network, a specific example of the role nomads could play in wider historical processes. Other early nomadic groups included reindeer herders in northern Europe, the Laps. More important were the camel herders in Arabia and northern and north central Africa. The camel was domesticated by 1700 BCE as a pack animal. Its capacity for traveling with huge loads for more than 20 days without new water was ideal for nomadic life in the deserts. Cattle raising nomads also played a role in parts of Africa. Seasonal travel was fundamental to the nomadic way of life. Harsh weather forced movement in search of adequate food, and too much time in one place exhausted the available vegetation. Most nomadic groups usually traveled the same routes year after year, but droughts or other hardships could promote change. While nomadic, groups while nomadic groups usually respected each other's roots, problems could cause conflicts as one group tried to muscle into the territory of another. 
animals formed the core of the cultural interests of nomadic societies, with religion usually emphasizing animal sacrifices. Size of the herd was a measure of wealth in nomadic societies. Animals were also the core of the nomadic economy. Nomads traded in leather, wool, milk products, and bone sculptures. The harshness of the nomadic environment, plus periodic warfare, often introduced a common note of violence into nomadic life. Most nomadic societies emphasize the importance of honor, or what anthropologists call courage culture. Strong, warlike men dominated, and their leadership was dependent on a willingness to meet physical change. Nomadic cultures valued heroic action above all other achievements. In addition to recognizing brave leaders, nomadic organization depended on kinship relations in small bands, usually of 30 to 150 people. These bands could, however, assemble into much larger groups in response to crisis. Hospitality was another keynote of characteristic nomadic culture. Honor required that travelers be aided, a recognition of the harshness of the nomadic life. Acts of great generosity contributed to the reputation of leaders. Nomads were outstanding fighters. Because their economic activity required much less time than that of agricultural peoples, there was more opportunity to train for battle. Easy familiarity with horses or other animals made for excellent military skills as well. Nomads' abilities to ride for long distances often allowed them to draw the armies of civilizations out, where, exhausted, they could later be picked off. This technique was usually successful, was used successfully against Persian armies in the 6th century BCE in Western Asia and against the British in 19th century Africa. Because of their fighting skills, nomads had a reputation for cruelty. This was sometimes exaggerated, but not always. Han invaders in China had drinking cups made from the skulls of defeated rivals. Some nomadic groups routinely killed the wives and children of leaders they defeated. Nomadic societies were male-dominated, with care of animals and skill in their use reserved for men. Marriages were arranged to promote the interests of kinship groups, although nomads liked to tell stories about great romance and love of beautiful women. Polygamy was common for wealthier men. Women's tasks, besides child-rearing, involved making and breaking camp, cooking, and sewing. In a few nomadic societies, however, women held positions of greater prestige, occasionally even participating in wars and holding leadership positions. Nomads are particularly famous in history when they invade. Civilized peoples, from the Chinese to the Romans, feared and condemned nomads as offspring of evil spirits, the ultimate barbarians. Without question, nomad, nomadic invasions were important, particularly when they were part of larger migrations that can change the population structure as well as political, political leadership. The role of the Indo-Europeans in shaking up civilizations in the Middle East and India is obvious. And this basic pattern repeated in the classical and post-classical periods. But nomads often had a peaceful, mutually beneficial relationship with agricultural societies, as in the exchange of goods with China, and this pattern had its own historical significance. Nomads often traded with farmers for useful goods, including vegetables, silks, and iron tools and weapons. In turn, the meat and milk products provided by the nomads could supplement meager diets for frontier farming communities. Nomads also provided war horses for civilizations, not only for China, but also for India, the Middle East, and Sub-Saharan Africa.
Okay, so that is all of uh, chapter one from human prehistory to the early civilizations. Uh, thank you for joining. And um, in the next episode, I'm going to do a overview just with the key points of this chapter um, and some common questions that I will explain, some uh, key concepts again. Uh, and then following that, we will do chapter two um, and so forth. So thank you so much for joining and I hope to see you again soon.